welcome to episode two of Connected on Relay FM. This episode is brought to you by OmniGraffle, Igloo, and Blogo. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by my partners in crime, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Federico. Hey, Mike. And Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello. How are we doing, guys? Episode number two. We made it. Dose. Can we can we start uh, like? Uh, displaying episodes on the website using Roman uh, numbers. This is I, the I feel like that would be more epic. This is the problem with <laughs> us now, like having complete control. Is now Federico conferring these insane ideas, and we have to find a reason to tell him no, we can't, as opposed to just being like, eh, "How about control we're thing. we're out of money for now?" That's uh, a pretty good reason. <laughs> I like that one. That that works. But what we'll do, Federico, we'll put that on the back burner, and we'll uh, we'll investigate Roman numerals. At, at so a later so date. we're so we're put it, putting it in the parking lot. <laughs> Some people would say that. Some people, okay. would yeah. Say that. So we'll circle back to to this idea. Yeah, it's on an index card. Um, so before we do follow up, Federico, you had a pretty exciting day today with a, a launch. What is what's going on? Yeah. Uh, so basically. Um, I helped my girlfriend. She's a uh, she's Ailis on Twitter, A Y L Y S, and she's been working on this set of icons for Minifocus Two. And basically, she she made this um, this insane huge set of icons to modify the perspectives in Minifocus Two. And these are 100 icons in five colors and two resolutions. You can change. You can customize the perspectives in OmniFocus, you can apply your the icons that you prefer. So it's a, it's a little icon pack, not so little, I guess. Um, it's an icon pack to customize your OmniFocus 2 experience. And these icons uh, can sync from the Mac to iOS. And it's actually uh, the second version of um, the set that we call Perspective Icons. The first one came out in 2012. It was a huge success for us. And now this new... This one is a new version. It's just for OmniFocus 2. We've been, uh, I've been helping her with the, you know, design ideas. And actually, I just provide ideas because she does the design, and I'm just, I guess, bothering her. Your icon director. Because... That's your role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm an, I'm an icon director. Okay. Um, no, really, I just, I just like to help out, you know, uh, for feedback and you know, uh, stuff that goes on the website, the copy and the, and the blog posts and the kind of stuff. And so uh, if you, if you want to check it out, um, if you, if you have OmniFocus too, uh, uh, they can also be used for other apps. Uh, like on the website, we have screenshots showing these icons with MindNode, which is the mind mapping app and, and Alfred, the application launcher for the Mac. Uh, so if you want to check it out, uh, the website is called iconsandcoffee.com. You can, you can guess, uh, with the icons and with the coffee here, and they're called perspective icons too. You can you will see a banner on the homepage, and yeah, that's that's a, it, it was a pretty insane uh, week because we were you know preparing the launch and uh, contacting people, the blog posts and, and the screenshots and the you know the website. It's it's a, a lot of stuff to uh, to work on, especially if you you're just two people and you gotta. I mean. I, I have to think about other stuff like Mac stories and, and, and the show. So I need to catch up on some sleep, probably cut down on, on the espresso, the daily intake of coffee. But otherwise, it's been a great day. And yeah, thank you for letting me, you know, mention the project. Yeah. 
yeah, no, it's it's awesome, and it's you know you, you showed us some uh, some examples oh, a while back, and they really are good looking. And, and what's cool is you don't just have to use them for OmniFocus; you can use them really anywhere. You can stick an icon, so definitely uh, well worth checking out. We have um, a mountain. Have, <laughs> I, I think up. I think metric. It's called a uh, a ton with a, a double N and an E. Yeah. Um. So a lot of follow up about the iPod, and we're going to start off with the the name itself. So a lot of people, uh, Michael Rogerson was the the lucky uh, guy to get his tweet in the show notes, but a lot of people um, say portable on demand is what the what pod stood for. So they they got iPod adding an I to the beginning of an acronym for portable on demand. Um, however, according to an article on Wired magazine, that's not um, really where the name came from. It, it might be a nice coincidence, but this article in Wired says that it was offered up by a, a freelance copywriter who was helping Apple uh, work on the, the marketing. And the idea was to Federico's point that the Mac was the hub and, you know, hub is kind of like a space station or a spaceship and you could have this little vessel, uh, like a pod that kind of goes back and forth, uh, which I think is probably Federico where that, where the idea came to, uh, in your mind. So that's, that's, mm. you know, the quote, you know, open the pod bay door hal from space odyssey, 2001, not so much, uh, playable on demand, at least according to this article. So kind I of think a, Federico was that freelance copywriter. Maybe. That's how he knows. Maybe. Um Maybe in a, in my in my previous life I I chose the name for the iPod. Who knows? It's a mystery. We also have gotten a lot of uh photos from people using uh, old iPods. So uh one uh from Adam on Twitter. Episode one of uh, Connected playing on a first generation iPod. Which yeah, that is was we, pretty awesome. We did get a bunch of photos, but I think this was my favorite. I think this was the um, there were a bunch of people that were sending in their like the show playing on iPods or just like their old iPods. But this was like the, the mixture OG. of both of those things. Yeah, it was like the, it was episode one of Connected playing on the original iPod. Thank you, Adam, for doing that. And uh, we're gonna put a, the link to that along with all of our other links into today's show notes, Federico. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Federico, where would somebody find the show notes? <clears throat> well, the show notes are, um, well, first, they are a piece of material that you can find in textual form on a website, uh-huh. on, the, on the web. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if, if, you, if you're so inclined to go on the web and to surf to the Relay.fm website, mm-hmm. you would go to relay, relay.fm slash connected slash two. Mm-hmm. And you will find the show notes that you're Bravo. looking for. That's the best description of where to find the show notes I think <laughs> yeah. I've ever heard. So I, I think Thank you, you were stalling while poking around the website. No, no, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> why, why are you? Why do don't you trust me, Stephen? I trust you completely. I do wish, however, you would stop leaving and joining the Google document. It's freaking out. Um, <laughs> okay. the, it's it's like. Your face keeps disappearing and reappearing. It's very exciting. Uh, so the next chunk of iPod follow-up is about skip uh, protection, which um, I believe the exact quote from Mike was 
some you know i don't know how it works so we're going to move past it yeah that um, was that was my my uh way of dealing with the conversation was yes. just to ignore the conversation so i went to the k base oh, as, as one does oh, yes. and i would like to i would like to read you from uh frequently asked question number nine about the ipod the question is can i use ipod while running or doing other activities will my music skip answer blah 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 uh ipod offers a 20 minute of skip protection twice that of any hard drive hard drive base blah 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 not really all that exciting the 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 real fun question is number 10 how does it work so it says like like we spoke about the ipod has a memory cache it is made of solid state memory meaning that has no mechanical moving parts blah 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 ipod skip protection works by preloading up to 25 minutes of music to the cache at a time iPod plays music from the memory cache rather than the hard drive, so even rigorous activities won't cause music to skip. So more or less what we talked about, where it preloads and then plays from that, and so every 20 or 25 minutes the hard drive spins up. Um, of course, if you're listening to shuffle or you know bouncing around your music, that is a little less effective. And of course now it only matters to me because according to ATP, I might be the only person with an iPod Classic, so... I, I do have an iPod correct. Classic, you know, under my desk. <laughs> is it keeping it level? No, I think it's... I don't know if it's broken or not. I just, you know, don't use it. Because yeah. y- you actually use your iPod, your iPod Classic. Mostly in the car, but yes. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, a little more on, on this. Uh, we have a, a tweet from uh, Michael somebody baron barenbach um uh who in addition to you know obviously apple spun it as hey you can be really active with it and that's really good uh michael's point is that the real reason is that the hard drive had a pretty big power draw as well and that you know pulling music from solid state memory is uh is less power intensive so the battery could last longer so it's kind of a you know a dual uh dual purpose which is which is really nice um, I guess really uh, two more links and then Mike you can tell us about this email this awesome email that we got oh yeah Um, so uh, minimally minimal.com which is the hardest website name to read Um, there's always like really nice photo essays on this website Um, so the one of the show notes is to the iPod mini they have a silver one and it's a lot of like really nice photos of it along with like the eyesight camera and some iPhones kind of uh, putting it in place with other products. And, you know, we spoke about last week how the iPod mini was a fashion accessory. And like if, when you look at these pictures, like the personality that it has really comes out, you know, that it, it is a, a device with personality and a device that you connect to. Uh, it's, it's a really great photo essay. All of these photo essays on the site are really well done. If this isn't in your RSS reader, it really should be. Wasn't this the guy who did the Surface redesign that got hired by Microsoft for Xbox? I'm not sure. Maybe the chat room knows that. I don't. I, don't I, th- I think. I think that's the case. You have good memory, Mike. Does that ring a bell with you, Federico? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm not sure about <laughs> this website, but I do remember one guy. You know, I think this guy actually didn't. Is not the same guy who did the, the, the Office redesign with with the space wallpapers. You remember those? Yeah, like. Office on the moon. Well, no, sure. people are telling in the chat room. Um, Carl's the, the same gray. guy. Yeah, Carl's the gray, the wizard, who is as uh, it's just told me that yeah, it's him. Kyle's uh, Kyle's next in our show notes. 
Whoa. Um, that's so that's serendipity. See, I told you there's Microsoft 2012. There's a there's a, the Microsoft logo on the moon and and stuff. I was yeah. I, I do remember correctly. I just thought it was another guy. Yes. So uh, Kyle wrote this really great article about the iPod Nano, how it was, um, you know, uh, influential uh, in his life. Uh, it's sad that he was in fifth grade when the iPod Nano came out. I think Kyle's like fifteen. Um, and he talks about sex appeal in the fifth grade, which is kind of weird, but uh, a, a nice, <laughs> a, a nice article. Bye, everyone. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> uh, well, Re- Relay FM was a good idea. <laughs> um, so an article that really is nice in what we were talking about: how the iPod struck a whole generation of people sort of in a very profound way. And, and I think that was Kyle's experience. And I think it's the experience of people who have been sitting in pictures, right? Like you don't keep around your first generation, you know, magic mouse or something, right? Like this is a device that people care about. And Unless you're Steven. Uh, yeah. I, eh, you know, um, <laughs> I have, I'm doing it for historical research. Sure. But uh, you know, that, that idea that, you know, you have all your music with you, you know, just like we talked about. I think that really hits home for a lot of people. I think that's why the iPod is still, even though it might not be important to Apple's bottom line, like I, I can't help but think the company itself might have a little bit of that still, that, that they themselves have a sense of connection, if you will, to the device that they that they can't shake. So the next part of the follow-up came to me directly via a secret channel. Um, and this is from uh, Elliot, who is at SkipperEL on Twitter. And uh, if you all allow me, gentlemen, I'd like to read a part of this amazing email. So uh, what Elliot says, and uh, he says, at the, at the, he was actually working as an intern at Sony in Tokyo when the iPod was released in a group that was doing music software and weird music hardware like PCs with mini disk drives and speaker outlets and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is an incredible. Sony is so, so like there was an article on the verge about weird Sony. Like they do crazy things. Anyways. So shortly after the iPod was released, someone brought one into the office that he was working in. Everybody gathered around. Um, everyone had kinds. Ev- they So they had all over the place, all kinds of weird portable music players that they were developing. Some uh, Elliot says were pretty neat. Uh, many never saw the light of day for various, various weird reasons. Um, But everyone there was fascinated by the iPod. Elliot says, and I'm going to quote this part, I think it was apparent that it was going to be a big deal and it was going to hurt Sony. It was obvious to me at the time and at that moment that they were kind of screwed. In many ways, that was the beginning of the end for them in that domain, which was shocking considering how significant the Walkman had been up until that point. I think it's just a nice way of like putting it into context. Like Clearly, Sony were working on stuff, but the things that they were working on just simply weren't as good. And, and especially for context, it's it's funny to to remember that uh, when Sony introduced the PSP uh, in two thousand and four, I'm gonna say they tried to uh, to present the PSP, uh, which is the PlayStation Portable, as the next generation Walkman, which of course failed because of Sony's decision to rely on UMD, uh, which were a proprietary disc format uh, for for the PSP. So. Uh, it appears to me that Sony, like other companies such as such as uh, BlackBerry, uh, they are 
kind of aware of the future and where the competition is going and what people are going to want. But then for some reason, they remain stuck on their own, uh, you know, old principles and ideas. Uh, because, I mean, after, after the iPod, you cannot, you, cannot tr you cannot imagine that people will want a PSP as their everyday portable media device. That's just unreasonable, you know, to expect people to, to use that. So the PSP had many problems. And, and reading this email uh, and the, the Walkman reference, uh, I remember that Sony is the kind of company that f when it comes to phones and, and portable devices for music, uh, they never quite understood the future. And there's also an argument that, that you can make about the PS Vita, but we have another another show for that, I guess. Sorry, Steven. No, it's fine. Um, and that show is virtual on Relay FM. Is that your announcer voice? <laughs> uh, apparently so. It's good. Do you, do you like change personalities when you do those voices? I change personalities for every show. Mm. This week on Connected. Uh, so yeah, that's iPod follow-up. That, that's all follow-up. That's all. Well, yeah, we've only had one episode, so the follow-up can only therefore be about one thing. Yeah, because everything was about the iPod. Yeah, um, Mike, we have a very exciting sponsor. Do you want to share their awesome news? We have a brand new sponsor for Relay FM and for Connected, and that is Blogo. Blogo Two is a fantastic new application for the Mac that quickly and easily lets you write, preview, and publish blog posts to your WordPress blog. Blogo makes it possible to write in a clean and simple interface in which you can edit your pictures with its fantastic built-in image editor and then preview the posts that you've been working on in real time, showing you exactly how your post is going to look on your site before you hit the publish button. The built-in image editor that I just mentioned allows you to crop images, apply filters, adjust brightness and contrast, and change the size and resolution of your pictures. This is all built right into Blogo, making adding and editing images to your post a piece of cake. Blogo also allows you to do really cool things like manage comments, you can have multiple blogs in Blogo, and you can also work without an internet connection using their offline mode, which allows you to write out your next big piece about uh, iOS automation, and schedule it to go live for when you have an internet connection later on. When you're writing in Blogo, you can enter their distraction-free full-screen mode, which is something that I really love. Uh, I like to be able to work in these sort of applications in full-screen, and I love that Blogo has that. Um, this gives you a fantastic environment to get focused in and really just get focused on getting your work done. They also feature really interesting and cool integration with Evernote. So let's say that you've been collecting some ideas for your next blog post in Evernote. Well, Blogo's Smart Sync feature will make sure that when you sit down to publish, all of the work that you've been doing there in Evernote, all the ideas you've been collecting and the posts you've been sort of roughing out and drafting, will be ready for you in Blogo so you can polish it up and publish it right there. The Blogo team are super responsive to support and they have their own community for that at support.getblogo.com and they have at getblogo on Twitter and the Blogo team wanted me to let you know about some of the stuff that they're working on to help build and evolve Blogo in the future. So some of these features are going to include custom field support, multi-markdown support and integration for Tumblr and Blogger and there's so much more. Seriously, they're working on some really cool things. Blogger has been featured on the Mac App Store and has been nominated as one of Evernote's best start new startups of 2014. So go and see what all the fuss is about by going to getblogo.com, that's G-E-T-B-L-O-G-O.com right now, 
or search for them in the Mac App Store. Thank you so much to Blogo for their support of Relay FM. Topic so, zero. Topic zero. Have we explained what topic zero is before? Uh, probably not. So we plan ahead, but then today especially is a very busy day. And so topic zero is often like things that we weren't going to talk about, but we're going to talk about now. And so uh, Federico, you kind of want to walk us through what Dropbox did this morning? Yes. So um, the too long didn't read version is that Dropbox has uh, been cutting costs on the pro subscription. So you can now pay uh, 10 bucks a month and you get one terabyte of storage. The longer version is that you the pro Dropbox subscription is cheaper for one terabyte. The 100 gigabyte plan uh, has gone away. Dropbox is cheaper than Google Drive if you want to pay on an annual basis. So you only pay 99 bucks if you want to buy 12 months of Dropbox Pro. And the Pro version gets you extra features, such as the possibility to uh, assign passwords to shared links, to control um, the people that can access a shared folder, whether they can view or edit the contents of a, of a folder. You can remotely wipe a device that's connected to Dropbox. So if you lose your iPhone or your iPad or a Mac or, a Mac, or if you're a set person, an Android device, you can uh, remotely wipe the Dropbox app from uh, another computer. And the next time uh, the Dropbox client on that device uh, is launched, it will be automatically erased from the cloud. And what else? There are other features uh, such as the, uh, the, there's the old uh, Packrat uh, add-on for uh, pro customers, which allowed you to essentially keep an unlimited history of changes to your files in Dropbox as being changed uh, with this transition to Dropbox Pro, and it's now as it has been reduced to one year of history for file version history for files, and it's called extended version history, and this has upset some people. And the basics uh, of the you know Dropbox Pro, you you pay on a month by month basis. You can uh, pay an annual subscription. You can still upgrade to uh, Dropbox for business, but that's uh, for companies and small teams and such. Um, the basic idea is that Dropbox is now as competitive, at least from a, from a price point perspective, as Google Drive, and it's actually cheaper if you want to pay for twelve months right away. And personally, um, I think this is a great move. Because, uh, I mean, one terabyte of storage for 10 bucks a month is uh, pretty much a standard at this point. And I'm glad to see that they're starting to add extra features to the Dropbox website and, and, and apps. Because um, they, have, they, they have been, you know, they have been kind of slow in terms of new features for, for consumers. They've been adding new APIs and new developer features over the past, uh, the past couple of years. But really for consumers, they haven't added much new groundbreaking stuff. I mean, Dropbox is still Dropbox. It's just, you know, a folder that connects to apps. So I'm glad to see new consumer features. And I am going to, I am going to buy a pro uh, subscri subscription again. Uh, I don't have it right now because I have tons of storage and I'm, uh, I didn't really need it, but the extra features for the links and the passwords and, and you know, the kind of uh, the permission controls and the extender history, I want those. 
So I'm going to upgrade it again. Also because I don't think I'm going to use iCloud Drive much, which is coming with iOS 8 and Yosemite, uh, hopefully next month. Uh, so w w what are you guys going to do? Are you guys going to uh, stick it out with the free version, try iCloud Drive, switch to Google Drive, <laughs> switch to I, Amazon? Uh, yeah, I'm going to put everything on S3 and pay every time I need to access it. <laughs> no, oh, you, I, could, um, you could switch to you could switch to uh, Picasa. Uh, no, no. What's the name? Not not Picasa. What's the name of the the weird uh, startup that gave you like Picture unlimited life. storage? No, 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 no. Oh. Like like infinite storage. What's the tagline? Bitcasa, I think. You guys remember that? Bitcasa. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's I don't like I don't infinite that. drive. Infinite drive. It's, your external yeah. hard drive in the cloud. Yeah, you could you could switch to one of these startups like copy.com. Just on principle. I don't know. Um uh, I I'm not gonna do anything yet. I, I also like you have lots of storage. Um I'm I would be much more comfortable paying the nine ninety nine a month. I can't remember how much Dropbox was pro was before, but I remember thinking it was maybe I don't know, it just felt a little expensive to me. Um so nine ninety nine a month for it is fantastic, especially for that sort of storage size. Uh, I I don't know if if I mean I'm not even using my current space, whatever that is, um, and I'm kind of interested to see what what I move to iCloud Drive. Like I put my photos in Dropbox at the moment. I don't plan on doing that. I would like to move them to Apple Solution whenever that is a good whenever is a good time to do that. So it took. Two episodes to get the photo management. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually wanted to mention these as well, so I'll go after Mike. Sorry, Simon. I will continue to use Dropbox as my file system, and once I get better internet, I will be put. I, I imagine be putting more larger files in Dropbox than I do at the moment. You know, like more like uh, Logic project files and stuff like that, which I'm not doing right now because my upload speed is too too bad. I basically would never be able to record because you'd never hear me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm. I think that this is a fantastic move. I'm really pleased that they've they've sort of standardized the pricing a bit more. So right now, I'm still using Dropbox for uh, photo management and storage with Picture Life as a kind of backup and fancier web view. Um, but I, I, I've been talking about this with my uh, MacSoris teammates, and basically, I'm torn between my. Um, my willingness to give Apple a second chance with iCloud Photo Library and iCloud Drive, but also I'm scared by Apple's previous uh, track record when it comes to the cloud. So right now I have 20 gigs of photos. What do I do? Do I, do I simply drag and drop them into the Photos app for iOS 8? Am I going to make the app explode? Uh, will it work? Can I buy a storage plan already? So I, I wanted to try iCloud Photo Library for my iOS 8 coverage, which is coming together quite nicely. But I also don't want to trust Apple as a, as a single place for all my photos. So on the other hand, am I going to end up with photos on Dropbox, Picture Life, and Apple? That's a bit much maybe, even for me. So I'm, I'm, I really don't know what to do. Maybe I'll just switch to a hard drive and, and that's it. I'm just going to, you know, I've cut heard. my connection from the cloud and be, yeah. you know. I've heard that you can uh, make an iPod act like a hard drive. So. See? See, that's an idea. I, so I could resurrect people, my... So many people were upset at me because I thought that was funny. Like, all ridiculous. They were like, no, these are the reasons. Or, I love that. And I'm like, no, I 
it's cool, man. I get it. But uh, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't for me. So some more iOS 8 kind of centric news today. Uh, Smile uh, kind of introduced the text expander keyboard for iOS 8. So it works kind of how you think it would work in their in their video where you uh it you know it knows all your snippets so you type a snippet and it fires the expansion and and because it's a keyboard it can work in every application you know as many people probably know currently text expander like a, de- a third party developer has to integrate the text expander SDK and there's x callback URL to sync and it's it's sort of siloed off but with a keyboard you could use a text expander snippet in mail or in Safari, or in Evernote, or any app, uh, sort of without that SDK, um, which is really interesting. You know, one thing, and Federico, I wanted to ask you about this. Out of the three of us, you spent the most time with iOS 8, and I don't even know if there are keyboards in the beta yet, but I don't want to have to switch between keyboards, like, all the time. You know, like on my phone, especially I'm really interested in like a swiping keyboard. I really like that on Android phones that I've used. Um, And I will have the text expander one because I do use it heavily. But do you think it's going to be a pain in the rear to switch between keyboards several times? You know, maybe even to do just one task? Yes. And you're going to have a problem because there are going to be lots of keyboards. So basically what I'm seeing right now, and I've been testing like four or five keyboards for iOS 8, and I'm supposed to get more in the in the next week. This is not a humble brag, it's just, you know, work. No, no, it's, it's like it's the, the, it's I've been the... I've been testing it for test, some time. Yeah. No, no, you know, it's just, I got to do this for a living. So um, basically what I'm seeing is that the same, on a, on a smaller scale, we're going to get the same App Store scenario of 2008, there's going to be lots of new players in the, in the keyboard field, and you're gonna want to check out all the keyboards because you're because, I mean, you're a nerd and you're a geek and 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 you want to try all the new stuff. And there's going to be lots of keyboards. There's going to be the keyboards with the swipe. There's going to be the keyboards that correct you, uh, on correct your grammar and your spelling in in the text. There's going to be text expander. Oh man, I'm there's, getting those. The, see, <laughs> and, and and of course you're gonna want to try all the keyboards. But my problem is, my problem that I'm already seeing is that first you gotta activate the keyboards in the settings, and that's not a huge problem. I mean, I mean it's kind of nice the way that you can go to the settings and you can activate and deactivate the keyboards, and you can grant permissions to uh, to a keyboard to to sync uh, and to transmit your information uh, to the cloud. For instance, um, I was trying the other day a keyboard that syncs uh, preferences using CloudKit, and I got. Uh, the permission dialog. So um, I, I didn't. I didn't really know what it meant. And I asked the developer, and it's basically um, even if you use iCloud, not some nasty third-party service, you're gonna get the permission dialog uh, anyway. So uh, you can manage keyboards in the settings, and then the problem is that if because you're curious and you wanna try all these fancy keyboards, you don't have a place like the home screen where you can download apps and. You know, you can just, it's easy to try multiple apps because you can just switch the home screen and open another one. The, 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 the user interaction to switch keyboards is really painful because you got to hold down on the globe icon on the, on the keyboard and you get this uh, long list uh, 
of names. <laughs> and every time, I feel like iOS eight is going to be full of long lists of yes, things. Yeah. and you get and you get a toggle in the list at the top, uh, of, like you get a toggle on a popover on a keyboard. <laughs> so it's kind of messy. So you switch all these keyboards, and you gotta consider the fact that because Apple uh, as a as a, has built this uh, secure system for keyboards. Every time you hit a password field, the custom keyboard that you had selected before uh, deactivates because it cannot type into a secure field. So you're, uh, at least what I'm seeing right now in beta 5, so I hope that things will change, is awful performance of switching between keyboards because even uh, when you change to a keyboard that has a slightly custom design, you know, the system is super slow. So uh, hopefully, you know, it will be better in the GM uh, seed. And also, it's, it can be confusing because unlike the home screen and apps, you just switch the home screen, try another app, so you can play around with all the downloads from the App Store. The keyboard uh, user experience is kind of messy, and, and, and the keyboards are slow, and sometimes they deactivate, and you got to keep track of how many keyboards you have. I don't know. Yeah, it's going a to be... Of, yeah, there's a little bit of that with extensions already in the, in the few that I'm playing with on iOS 8. Where Apple's like sort of slamming them into that stupid horizontal scrolling share sheet, and like you can set the order, even though that doesn't seem to work for me. Um, but like if you've got ten or twelve extensions in Safari, like it's just kind of a lame interaction to like click the little button that looks like you're going to share it or export it to actually see an extension. Like extensions don't have their own menu, and I think there's some growing pains where they've opened up all this flexibility, but the UI hasn't caught up yet. So I would hope that this keyboard problem is a temporary pain and they can fix it in later builds of eight or, you know, um, iOS nine, which. Yeah. I mean, there are names are are getting silly. (laughs) Yeah. There are some growing pains and I agree, but I gotta say that the functionality that extensions and, and keyboards enable is mind blowing. Especially the, like the first time you try the one password extension, or oh man, uh, yeah, I have I have other uh, action extensions that I've been uh, that I've been testing. I'm sorry to bring up this sentence again, but it's just what I've been doing. <laughs> I know that you guys said it, but you know, it's uh, like I said, it's 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 just work. And yeah, I cannot, I seriously cannot wait to 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 write about this stuff, and and it, and it's going to take me uh, a lot of long nights and espressos at two a.m. Which again kind of contradicts what I was, uh, you know, saying before to reduce my coffee intake. Just realized that I gotta prepare like thirty posts for my stories. So I don't know. Hopefully, I will survive September, and then I'm gonna buy an iWatch. The iWatch will keep me healthy, I guess. So, <laughs> so I usually by this point um, have installed the beta, but I'm kind of not that tempted because. I feel like all of the really good stuff is in third-party apps. So until I have those, yep. there's not really much interesting stuff there, I think. Well, there's the new Safari, which yeah, is... Yeah, but added. I don't use... I suppose no. I'm going to have to, right? I'm going to have to start using Safari because of the extensions, unless Chrome is ready on day one, which they probably no, won't any, be. Any, yeah, of course. I mean, any app, even if... Um, basically, right now, even if an iOS app, an iOS 7 app isn't built against iOS 8... But if it uses the native share sheet mechanism, um, you can see accessions already in iOS 7 apps running on iOS 8. 
Yeah, I don't think Chrome uses the native share sheet. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but <laughs> of course and, and it you doesn't. still can't. And you still can't set even eight. You still can't set Chrome as your default browser. So, if an extension were to fire the browser, you'd still be in Safari anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, Guys, we're gonna have like uh, three or four episodes about extensions. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I'm I'm really excited. I was t- I was talking to a coworker today and who uses one password and you know kind of sharing with her. You know, they're doing this extension thing and. It will basically work more or less like it does on the desktop. And this is all details that they've shared publicly. And, you know, like, she was genuinely excited about it. Because, you know, right now, even on on 7, iOS apps are silos. And the ability to pull data from one into another or pull parts of it, like, it's really going to make everything, the at least, you know, a lot of things, a lot faster on iOS. I think it's a big complaint you know, we talked a lot about this on the old show of working on the iPad and how a, a very common issue people run into is that it's slow to do things that are faster on the Mac. And with extensions and with things like text expander keyboards, it's going to speed up. There's still going to be some annoyances, I think, until Apple sort of figures out how to grow with this stuff. But overall, I, I'm I'm genuinely excited about what some of these third-party developers are already doing. Yeah. It's a it's an exciting time. So, take a break. Do it. Yeah, Mike, tell us tell us about other exciting stuff. So, this episode of Connected is also brought to you by the Omni Group and OmniGraffle. So, OmniGraffle is the app that can be used for anything. Diagrams, flowcharts, mind maps, which Federico loves to do, wireframes, which Stephen loves to do, and even software mockups. With OmniGraffle, you can take your ideas from imaginative sketches to a detailed final design. OmniGraffle is currently available for both Mac and iPad, and iPad as well, said correctly, and of course, it syncs your documents for free using the fantastic OmniSync server, so you can make sure that you're able to take your work with you on the go, no matter where you are or what you're doing. Now, guys, if you'll let me, I would like to tell our listeners about some of the types of incredible things that you can do inside of OmniGraffle. So, if you are interested in user interface or user experience work, then with OmniGraffle, you can quickly and easily create sketchy, lo-fi drafts whilst taking advantage of tons of stencils of frequently used UI elements that are used around the web. You can also create superb-looking wireframes and web page layouts easily and quickly, on your Mac or on your iPad. If you're interested in more old school page layouts, maybe you want to create uh, a flyer for that big party that you're having at Graceland, or maybe you want to create like a manual on how to make the perfect espresso or some sort of workbook, or maybe, I don't know, the Hurley family newsletter. Well, you can do all of that all in OmniGraffle. If you're into brainstorming, you can quickly brainstorm or mind map, and the automatic layout tools will help you quickly get your ideas out about your next blog post without ever needing to mouse around. You'll also get an outline sidebar to display your great ideas, and you can even import outliner documents and then start to arrange them as mind maps. It's very powerful. OmniGraffle can help you with basically any kind of diagram that you need. You can create precise, beautiful documents of all of the right tools, and they give you a whole host of ways to share them. Don't forget, OmniGraffle 2 for iPad should be launching alongside iOS 8 with lots of goodness, which I'm very excited about. And if you want to find out more about OmniGraffle, go to omnigroup.com slash omnigraffle, which is O-M-N-I-G-R-A-F-F-L-E. OmniGraffle for Mac is available for the Mac directly, 
from the Omni Group website and in the Mac App Store. Omni Graffle for iPad is available on the App Store. So that's Omni Graffle from the Omni Group. Diagramming is worth a thousand words with Omni Graffle. So we wanted to talk this week about fitness and, and diet apps. There's been a lot yes. of conversation about fitness tracking hardware. And of course, I watch rumors, you know, a lot of that's there. But there's a lot of great software out now that can help, you know, count calories or track your activity. Um, and so we kind of want to share what we're using and Federico's sort of insane experiment that you've been tweeting about. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I guess I can just kind of, I'll blast through, let's go in the order of the notes. I'll blast through the apps I'm using because Federico, what you're doing is much more interesting than what I'm doing. Um, so I use kind of three apps. So, you know, I'm in relatively good shape, but, you know, want, want to lose a few pounds, want to, to run more. Those are kind of my two goals this fall. Um, so I'm using an app called Lose It, which is a... It's not unlike my fitness pal, and we're going to talk about why I don't like that app in a second. Um, so I can go in, I can enter meals, I can scan a barcode. So I have, I have a drink here that I'll put in as a snack. You can just scan the barcode and, and the app finds it automatically. Um, it can connect to vice, two devices like Fitbit, Fit, like Fitbit, Fitbit. Um, <laughs> I liked Fitbit. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's a hard word to say when you can only speak so many syllables a minute. Fitbit. It can connect to. <laughs> it, it can uh, podcasting everyone. Podcasting. <laughs> Talking into my computer box on the internet. <laughs> um, Fitbit. <laughs> so it it's sort of a hub. Now the the problem with counting calories in any system is. It's twofold. You have the problem of self-reporting and you have the problem of a small kind of local restaurant. So the second one is obviously, you know, uh, an issue where if I go to a local chain or, or a one-off place and, you know, I work in sort of the core of our downtown area and there's a lot of little sandwich places and there's a pizza place and, you know, they're not, it's not name brand like, you know, it's not like I go to Taco Bell and, and those calories are, are listed publicly. It's, these are private establishments. And so you kind of have to guess and get the closest you can. So it's not an exact science, but it's definitely compounded when you have the problem of self-reporting. And so I don't know, maybe Federico, you can speak to this if you're doing it, but I have a big problem of estimating volume. So like if I eat a bowl of cereal, like I have no idea how much cereal I just ate because I don't measure it. If I did, obviously it wouldn't be a problem, but that sort of crazy person territory oh yeah so you gotta measure so I, it <laughs> yeah so i generally kind of you know i look at what the box says is the you know what's supposed to be the estimated amount and usually round up a little bit and so it's it's not exact science at least the way that i'm doing it and that can be a problem if you're you know if i'm strictly sticking to a certain number of calories but that's not lose its fault that's true of of any app or any system that, that does count calories but it has a lot of positives. It can plug into all these services. It has a really nice website. In fact, most of the time I do the data entry like at my computer because it's a lot faster than the than the iOS app. And uh, overall, I, I like it. Um, kind of on the fitness side, using two apps. One is Strava, which is actually an app pick of mine on the prompt. Uh, Strava is uh, bike, uh, cycling, 
tracking via GPS. So you turn it on, you stick your phone in your pocket or your bag, and it knows speed and mileage and um, elevation. And if you have a pro account, and it can talk to accessories, so it can do things like heart rate. Uh, Strava also tracks running. Again, there's other apps like this. Um, the big ones are Map My Ride or like Map My Run, which a lot of people use. I like Strava because that's what our local community of cyclists use. But nice app. Um, you can even use it with like an external GPS device. So if you have like a, a Garmin on your bike, it can sync up on the web. And then finally, and Federico, I want to talk to you about this. I really hate running. Like running is so lame, but I'm trying to do it. And the app that I've been using is Couch to 5K. There's a bunch of apps like this. I like the features of this one, even though the design is a little lame. Um, it, it just puts notifications to your lock screen when it tells you, you know, Couch to 5K basically is you run and walk sort of in alternating patterns. And the longer you do it, the more you run and the further you go. And it works you up very slowly to doing a 5K. And so it has this push notification. So if your phone is in an armband and you can't see the screen, it says, okay, you know, now it's time to run. Now it's time to jog. Now it's time to cool down and keeps up with that in a really nice little package. I can see right where I am within the program. And together, you know, this is all software. It's all just apps on my phone, but I can get a picture of my activity level, uh, my calorie level and kind of see how those things uh, play against each other and not using a fitness band, I'm not using any hardware. I own a Fitbit and a actually own a Nike fuel band as well as well. And I'm not wearing either one of them. Um, I've kind of just gotten out of the habit and I really, you know, neither are really attractive. The Nike fuel band is actually uncomfortable to wear after a while for me at least. And um, so I'm just doing it with just software and, you know, so far like in doing this for a couple of months has been, been pretty good. So let me nice. let me jump in, Federico, because you you're doing this in a big way, um, <laughs> yeah. and as is usual on this show, there seems to be varying levels of everything. Uh, my varying level is I'm not doing anything <laughs> uh, right now. Okay. Uh, I'm too. I'm just. I'm gonna say this is probably this is a dumb excuse, but I feel like I have too much to do right now to focus on exercise in any way. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be busy for my shorter lifespan. No, that's, I mean, that's burning aside. Like that's totally like this week has been insane for me and I haven't run. I haven't ridden my bike since Saturday. I haven't eaten well. Like life just gets in the way. Like I have a plan that as soon as I can get my days back from the corporate world, I will embark on an ex exercise experiment like Federico but I've been talking a lot recently about one of my favorite podcasts on the internet called Hello Internet um, with CGP Grey and Brady Harron. And on an episode of that show, uh, CGP Grey was talking about this exact kind of thing where he needed to work really hard to get his videos, he's a YouTuber, to get his videos to a point where they where he was, you know, able to go full-time with it and that sort of stuff. And he had a discussion with his wife about how he would put his health on a back burner for a bit to allow him the time <laughs> to, yeah. to to put into his work. I have not, one, made this conscious decision or two, had a conversation with my girlfriend in this idea. I'm sure she would not ex uh, 
feel the same. But I just feel like I don't have the time to do these things right now. Um, in the past, I have used to success my fitness pal. And Federico, you can tell us probably a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, and I've found it very good. I, Steve and I have had the same problems that you've had in how much do I put in, which I think upsets Federico because he's probably going to say he weighs everything. Um <laughs> I didn't do that. I like you would always. I feel like I was overestimating. But like this looks like a regular portion of of potatoes. I'll say I'm having one point four. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. Because then you just you know, and I, I lost Spoke, quite a few pounds. Spoken like a true American, Mike. That's how I do. Uh, I felt like I lost a few pounds using the app, and it's one that I intend to use again. Um, but yeah, as I say, right now I'm not. I'm not doing anything. I've never enjoyed exercise and I've always been want more to like control my diet. So now I'm kind of just trying to keep my eye on what I'm eating without using an app to help me. But Federico Vitici, can you please inspire me to change my life? Well, I mean, I can tell you what I'm doing now, but it's just, a, you know, my backstory, that's, that's not really something that I want to inspire you with. Because basically... Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I basically, get that Yeah, basically my... I've always been kind of relatively in shape, and but also I never, I never really enjoyed exercising or you know being careful with uh, the food that I eat. And especially in Italy, it, it's, it's it's very easy to to you know to uh, eat too many carbs with the, with the pasta and the pizza and the, and the sauce and uh, you know it's 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 easy to get carried away with the, with the kind of menu that typically you get here. And so the, the tipping point, point for me was, uh, uh, you know, after cancer and after chemo and, and the kind of consequences that you experience later, uh, months after, you know, uh, I've been clear uh, since uh, February of 2013. And months after uh, the chemo and the radiation ended, uh, I was left with all sorts of um, basically kind of, inactivity, general inactivity of my body because I couldn't move before. And because um, I couldn't exercise, uh, either because I was too weak or because uh, my muscles were not responding to exercise, and especially because I had installed in my chest uh, what is called as a, as a portacath, which is a, a, little, uh, a little button that has, is connected to a tube that basically uh, uh, enables do doctor doctors to uh, put the chemo uh, inside a big, big vein in your body. Uh, that little uh, accessory, I would say, in my chest uh, prevented me from doing any sort of arm and shoulder exercise. So I couldn't do, uh, I couldn't do chest exercise, I couldn't do running, I couldn't, do, uh, I couldn't swim, I couldn't do jumping on, you know, anything, because at the risk of breaking uh, the device, which of course happened uh, <laughs> uh, last month. So right now I'm free, I'm free to exercise. But before uh, last month, it was around uh, the end of May, basically, and I, and I was really fed up with the fact that in spite of being uh, theoretically free from, uh, you know, the chemo and the other stuff, and, and I, I was really feeling the fact that for the past three years, uh, I've been taking what is effect effectively poison that, you know, helps you, but, but it's poison in many other ways, and, and I really wanted to, to get healthier on, on several levels whether it was, uh, you know, the, my food choices, my exercising more, my being more uh, 
careful with you know with the with the with the stuff that I eat and with how much stuff and when during the day, with the amount of sleep that I get, uh, with the amount of steps and activity that I get each day, because I was sort of caught in this spiral of uh, I gotta get better, but I'm also busy, and so it's important for me to to work more, and then I'll think about my body eventually. Which, of course, is not a great way to, you know, to recover after chemo when you want to, in a way, detox. Yeah. So my, my idea was that I could, I could try at least this big experiment. I, w- I would say I've always been interested in, in, the, in these wearable devices and uh, with, a, with a fitness component and all these apps for iOS. So I started wearing um, initially a Fitbit Flex. I think it's a flex, right? The force is the one that got recalled. Right. Uh, so yeah. I started wearing a flex, and it broke two times. Uh, so um, <laughs> yeah. So I got a job on App Twenty Four, uh, which has been great. In, in, in my experience, I never had a single battery or connection is- issue. Uh, I started using the the job on App Twenty Four to track steps and sleep. Then I started using my fitness pal to to track my food choices and. Basically, right now, uh, for the past two months, I've been using several apps and the job on App24. I bought a Y-Things uh, Wi-Fi scale to weight myself every morning. And, and I'm seeing the first results. And in, I mean, I, I want to lose a few pounds. Um, so in, in the past, uh, since June, I would, I would say uh, I've lost 20 pounds. And I, and I wanted to do this not necessarily super quickly because I want to lose pounds by eating healthier, but also not in, in a sort of, you know, shock diet. I don't want to lose pounds all of a sudden and at the risk of, you know, not feeling well or gaining all the pounds back together as soon as I start eating more again. Right. So I just wanted to switch to a healthier diet, which, which meant a lot of more vegetables and fruit and, and, you know, being careful with the pasta and the pizza and uh, more protein because I, I wasn't eating enough protein. And so I started using the job on, uh, to track my sleep. I'm trying to sleep at least seven hours each night. And that may not seem like a huge surprise to most people, but actually because of my stories and because of, you know, work stuff, I was getting five hours of sleep each night on average, which is not great. And since, uh, you know, I've been trying to sleep eight hours, I've been trying to sleep nine hours during this experiment, I realized that too many hours are actually not good for me. So seven hours is the right amount of sleep and I feel great. And I also realized that I'm always going to be busy. You know, I'm always going to have email. I'm always going to have people pinging me on Twitter and iMessage. And I'm always going to have stuff to do or to read or to write about or to Mm -hmm. worry about, which is worse. Uh, But I'm trying to find at least 30 minutes every day to do uh, a short walk and, you know, some um, crunches. And I'm trying to drink at least two liters of water which would be two two bottles, I guess, uh, for Americans. I just don't know the conversion. Uh, Two liters, at least, of water every day. And the job on Tracker has been pretty accurate with the steps and and with the the sleep patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, My fitness pal I use with with a barcode scanner. And unlike you guys, I've gone full uh, 
obsessive about you know tracking food i weigh everything that i that i cook every single ingredient i scan the barcode i search the database and if i cook some pasta i i put in the ingredients uh, separately in the app and i i've been asking my uh, people around the house to keep around um, barcodes for me if they ever happen to cook stuff and throw away the box um, <laughs> like people around the house and sort of just moved on past that phrase like <laughs> just the people now, i'm just know. curious how many people you live yeah, with yeah i don't want to get into details but basically i i i have i have told my people to keep the barcodes <laughs> for me so <laughs> so your so butler yeah, so no, so really. to to back up a second to the i have a couple of questions about jawbone okay um, Let's let's go for uh, through each. Hey, how's the battery life on it? It's been accurate. They promise uh, seven days, and it's been seven days for me. That's yeah. that's really great. You know, that's something a lot about. I watch people talking about. You know, another thing to charge every night really stinks. Um, but Jawbone was in the news over the. I guess over the weekend there was a big earthquake in Napa, and Jawbone had this blog post that uh, is in the show notes, and they have this really cool graph of jawbone up users in the bay area and when they woke up basically corresponds exactly with the earthquake and how people in napa didn't go back to sleep afterwards or took longer to go back to sleep Mm -hmm. um and like it's really cool and like i like data and it's a fancy graph and you know the website's pretty but the data is a little a little weird like, obviously, Jawbone has to know this data because it syncs with their app and with their service. But I would not have expected that that data would be geolocated, or maybe they're tying that data to a user account and the user account has a zip code or something. But I just, when I saw that graph, I was like, huh, I wouldn't think that's something Jawbone would know about its users. How did you guys feel about that, that blog post? I think it's pretty creepy. I mean, you're basically tracking people, what their activity uh, during, you know, nights. And mm. so, of course... <laughs> that could I be mean, exciting. I mean, you know what people are doing at night by looking at the movements. It was so, in the show you know, notes. I'm just reading what's in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, of course, you can, you, can, you can assume what people are doing at night by looking at patterns in your database. But, I mean, if we... If we Putting aside the fact that Jobon has this kind of data, and, and I don't care because it's not like Jobon is watching me from outside the window. Uh, I mean, it's pretty fascinating that you can have this kind of insight into, you know, I mean, and you also got to consider how many thousands of people are using a Jobon app 24 in, in that area. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Jobon customers in the Bay Area, uh, but it's still a fascinating piece of data, I guess. I, I don't really have a lot. I just think that if they have the data, fine, I guess, as long as you've accepted it. I mean, you know, I've got to assume that everybody that has the product has opted in or has not opted out of that data. Like you have, I can't imagine that they've just gone crazy and they're like, here's some data we didn't tell you we had. I don't yeah. know. Probably so, um, I don't know. So back to, to, to the food tracking. Um, my fitness pal works uh, well for me because it, uh, it has a bunch of third-party connections in the, in the settings. So I connected the, the app to, to the job on app 24. So now I get basically what it's a, a food score in my job on app 24 uh, application because they recently added this feature that basically 
tracks your food, okay, so that's pretty basic idea, but also according to, I don't know what organization or what, you know, some doctors, I don't know, some experts, uh, it gives you a score from zero to 10. So that's been kind of nice because, um, like I said, I've been trying to to eat more vegetables and fruit and, and you know, to try to avoid prepackaged food and, you know, to avoid soda and, and McDonald's because, I mean, there's the stereotype that Italians always eat, you know, fancy pasta and, and, and fish and, you know, those fancy meals that you find on Google search. But actually, we're, you know, just people. We go to McDonald's and we buy prepackaged food. So, you know, sadly, that, that kind of uh, junk food is available anywhere. So I've been trying to avoid, the, to avoid those. And every time I have a, you know, I have a good day in terms of uh, the ingredients that I use and, and the food that I eat, uh, it's kind of rewarding to see the little uh, green... Uh, badge in the, in the job on in the job on app for the iPhone. Um, also, uh, so my fitness pal has been, has been great. They, they're a free app. They're supported by ads on the website. Uh, I would like to pay honestly, because it's such a great service and the database is, is huge and, and the barcode scanner has been great, but I've also been, um, been trying this other, uh, food tracking utility called life sum. Um, they're a, a European company uh, from Sweden, I guess. Um, um, they share a similar story to Spotify. Uh, they came up from, from Europe and now they're trying to become more popular in the States. And LifeSum has a great UI, much, much better than MyFitnessPal, in my opinion. And especially the way that it lets you quickly re-add uh, a food from recent meals. So you have recent breakfasts, recent lunches, recent uh, dinners and snacks, and you can just swipe to re-add the food. They, they have a more beautiful UI with uh, they have photographs, and they have these little um, verified badges, so you can instantly know when you're trying to add a generic, a generic ingredient like, I don't know, olive oil or an apple. Uh, it's verified from LifeSum. Um, I love that you picked so, those two things. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, the, the database, contrary to, to, what, I, to what I read uh, on the web, it's actually pretty huge. And the barcode scanner is basically just as, uh, just as accurate as uh, my fitness pal for me. Uh, and I'm, again, I'm talking from an Italian perspective. I don't know if LifeSign is, is better or worse in the US or any other part of the world because I, I just live here. And the, the big thing of LifeSign for me is that the way that... I guess because it's a European company, the way that it treats quantities when you try to add a food to your diary. So my fitness palace has this stupid, stupid interface that either lets <laughs> you choose from units like cups and spoons, whatever that means. And it, you cannot just say, okay, I ate 20 grams of pasta. So That's let me... So that's interesting that you think that's stupid because that's one of the things that I like about my fitness pal. Because oh, if man. you're cooking, what's a cup? So this might Seriously. be this might be a cultural thing. So if, if if we have a recipe book here, that recipe book will quite frequently say add one spoon of, add one cup of. No, no. Right. So I mean, of course, there's more magic and passion in Italian cooking. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah, like I mean, add as much add as many tomatoes until you fall in love and. No, I, I guess. I guess what I guess what I'm saying is that if I, if I'm buying some Barilla pasta, it's not like when I scan the barcode, I I get to know from the package how many cups a hundred grams correspond to. Yeah, but for things like that, know? doesn't it say like half a pack? 
No, usually either okay. lets you it gives you ounces or just a hundred grams, and then you gotta do like one and a half or one and uh, you know and like fractions. It's I just want to enter grams manually, which is exa- exactly what LifeSum lets you do. So from an input uh, software design perspective, I'm happier with LifeSum, but my fitness pal has more connections with third-party apps. So I've been trying both. I realize this is not what most people would do, but LifeSum has actually been also better in terms of visualiz- visualization of data. So it has all these nice, uh, nice graphs that uh, break down uh, the you know your meals by category. So it's it's been actually pretty helpful to understand whether I gotta eat more protein at you know at dinner or if I gotta go easy with the carbs, which is usually the case. All this, all together in practice, and I'm just talking about the food stuff. Uh, I'm gonna get to the exercise stuff, and it'll be quicker uh, in a bit. All the food stuff comes together with the Whiting scale, uh, which uh, my girlfriend kindly um, bought for me for my birthday a few weeks ago. And man, it's it's such a great piece of hardware. I mean, it's you just literally step on the scale every morning. You just wait up like 30 seconds, and you step down, and it's done. Uh, the, the scale connects to your Whitings account using a Wi-Fi connection. So you can later open the uh, Whitings uh, Elfmate app for your iPhone. You get this beautiful uh, UI with all these graphs and charts for your weight and, and heart rate and you know other statistics like uh, room humidity or air quality, I guess it's called. And that's been super reliable. I can probably try to put together some IFTTT actions and workflows, but I haven't <laughs> had the time to do that. No, funny fact, actually, before I bought a whiting scale, I set up an IFTTT action for Jobon. So every morning I would um, input my, my weight for the, for the day manually into Launch Center Pro, which would send a number value to IFTTT, which would sync back to, to the Jobon account. It was Pretty messy, but it worked. I so think now I love I'm, you, Federico Vitici. I love you too. So now I'm on the Whiting <laughs> scale. So now I'm on the Whiting scale, and it works great. It's also got a, a heart rate um, feature, which brings me to my last section, which is exercise and activity. So my understanding is that the portacath that I used to have in my chest after the chemo, uh, the fact that it broke was entirely my fault. Because in, in, the, in, in June, I went to two concerts. So as you can imagine, there's lots of jumping going on at concerts. Yeah, I thought the, the dubstep just like blasted it out of you. <laughs> no, I, it's either the concerts or the fact that I was so intrigued with uh, Fitstar, which is an iOS app that lets you choose training programs and it gives you these great videos uh, from professional trainers. Um, I, I think that like the main uh, guy uh, is a, a former football player, like uh, Gonzalez something. I don't know. I'm, I don't live in America. So it's great guy, by the way, great videos. And, and, uh, yeah. and I started doing these exercises every day, like fat burning exercises or get lean or seven minute workouts. And they were great. And I was so motivated because you know, because there was lots of jumping and stuff that I haven't been doing for years. And the app is great. So it was like a double satisfaction for me because it was a, I was happy from a software perspective and I was also happy because I was getting exercise done. So it was like <laughs> a nerd uh, doing exercise stuff and I was so just, you know, 
two things coming together perfectly. And so my, my, the problem was that the device broke in my chest broke. So I had this, you know, um, surgery, like, um, couple of weeks ago and, and so I got kind of scared and then I realized after uh, you know a couple of days after the surgery I, I just thought you know by myself I don't have the device anymore so I can start using Fitstar again and so I did and uh, now I'm using Fitstar again and, and the, the nice fact is that it syncs back to my fitness pal so the exercise that I get done in Fitstar goes to my fitness pal and the food that I track also in my fitness pal, altogether they go back to the job on tracker. So basically right now my main dashboard is the job on bracelet. And maybe you could argue that all this is just teaching going crazy with apps. And maybe it is, right? Uh, but it but doesn't matter things, because the output... The output, it's on a practical level. Yeah. I've lost 10 pa- uh, 20 pounds. Exactly. So yeah, you are, you are kind of going crazy with these things as yes. you do. But this is different to just them working out how to build a yeah. custom UI for a file downloader exactly. and editorial. Like, exactly. This is something that you're actually getting more benefit out <laughs> yeah. than just so tinkering I'm, in editorial. Can, I, I like you that you're subtly trolling me. <laughs> you're subtly trolling me, but also proving my point. No, I'm so honestly, I'm not that. trying to troll you. Yeah, I know, I know. I love you, Mike. <laughs> and uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, um, I, I feel much better. I think I've, I've made a conscious decision to, to be uh, more, to pay more attention to the water that I drink, the food that I eat, the amount of sleep that I get. And, and I mean, you could, you could maybe say that I'm obsessive about this stuff, but I think I gotta be because after the, all the other kind of junk that they put into my body to help with another thing, that leaves you, you know, the consequences and, and, and the kind of stress that it, that it leaves on your body. I need work to get better. I need to, I need to seriously, uh, I, need, I need a system that motivates me. And, and I think I found the system in software. And, and I'm going to write an article about, you know, I'm going to have photos and, and a diary and a lot of extra details about this. But the single fact that I can use a, a device, which is the iPhone, and all these apps to make, to make a, a, like an important improvement in my lifestyle. Uh, I think that's pretty incredible. And 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 um, and of course you you could you know look at this from a. Uh, of course, maybe he's doing this just you know to try apps because I'm a nerd. Or maybe I just want to write for Mac stories. But at the end of the day, I'm putting my body through all this. You know, just eating better and doing exercise every day. And and it's uh, and it's amazing, you know, that that I can track all this stuff and and find connections and just leading a healthier lifestyle. And I feel better. I think I look better. I I I'm, I have you know I have work to do still, and um, and especially because you know, like I said, all the drugs that they gave you they, they leave other effects which are not nice. But anyway. Um, it's it's been so far. Uh, I've been doing this for two months now, right? And uh, there's the the Apple announcement, supposedly next month, about with a with an iWatch. And you know, I just I, I'm just looking forward to to seeing whether Apple has has been has been uh, let's say experimenting with the with the mic way 
for notifications and, and you know, the Pebble-like device. Or if this is really uh, a device for... Uh, no, I'm not trolling you, Mike. You do have a point about <laughs> notifications because there are people like you who like them. So I'm not making fun of you in any way. Or if the device... I, I never. Is I this never like have we got like some sort of trolling treaty going on today? No, no, no. No one's uh, allowed to troll yeah. anyone. I mean, I'm just glad no one's trolling me. Not yet. Any more than normal. <laughs> so to conclude, uh, guys, I tried a bunch of apps. I have plenty to talk about still, and 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 I I don't know when or how I will write about this. It's it's just you know I wanted to discuss discuss this with you uh, today, and. The conclusion is that it, it's amazing to me, honestly, and, and I'm genuinely impressed with the fact that, that there's a, a, a phone, right? A phone with, with this software that can make you feel and live better. And that's, that's just, you know, for all the Twitter clients and Flappy Bird clones and weird apps on the App Store, the fact that I can download stuff and, and buy software that lets me eat better and, and feel and, and try to overcome the consequences of cancer and chemo, that's pretty you know, incredible. It's mind-blowing. It's, I, would say, I wouldn't say magical, right? Because it's not magical. It's software and it's people making it, right? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's such... I don't know. It's, a, uh, it's amazing. I, I keep coming back to this word because I... Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I just got carried away. <laughs> so I want to take a quick break. Congratulations, Federico, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to thank our last sponsor for this week's episode. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what Apple is doing in iOS 8 and how this could uh, potentially add to more on top of what Federico's already up to of these third-party applications. So I want to take a quick moment to thank our third and final sponsor for this week's episode, and that is our friends over at Igloo. Connected is brought to you by Igloo, who are an intranet that you're actually going to like. Igloo is built with you in mind. They have super easy-to-use apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, file sharing, and so much, much more. And they are all integrated into Igloo's platform and are really simple to set up and configure to make them just the way that you want them. Everything that you are going to need is built right into Igloo and everything in Igloo is social. This means that when you upload a file, maybe a Word document with all of your weights for the last six months, or you write a blog post, your team can share it, comment on it, rate it and like it. This is just like all of the social apps that you're used to using every day. It's bringing something a little bit more fun and refreshing into the day-to-day, bringing in some paradigms that you're used to. Um, like social stuff, you know, it, it, it makes the work that you're doing a little bit more fun to interact with, I think. With Igloo's latest release, you can also manage the tasks that are associated with your content that you're putting into Igloo. Like, for example, updating the images on the big keynote presentation that you're delivering on Tuesday or delegating actions after a meeting. Tasks, is what Igloo calls it, is the latest app to be integrated into Igloo's intranet platform and it was released just last week to all of their customers with with their unicorn release. Igloo's task management is designed for people, so you can manage your projects, your personal to-dos and everything in between, all inside your intranet. This allows you to see all of your tasks in one unified view. Igloo have built something that will help you keep on top of your work. 
If your company has a legacy intranet built on SharePoint or old portal technology, you should give Igloo a try. Or if you just want to be more connected, more social, and more productive in your workplace, Igloo is for you. Igloo is free to use with up to 10 people, and you can sign up today at igloosoftware.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Igloo for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Show your support to them and to us by going to igloosoftware.com slash connected and sign up. Thank you. So we wanted to kind of wrap up this week talking about what Apple is getting ready to do in the space. Obviously the hardware is a little bit of a question mark, fitness watch, uh, some sort of thing, maybe next month, sort of vague. Um, but Apple has been very forthcoming about what iOS, what <clears throat> there's the talking thing again is it's hard. What iOS eight is going to do in this area with uh, their health app and with things like health book and, it's kind of kind of multiple things. We're going to get, get into that in a second of what, um, you know, health on iOS 8 is not just a single app. It's an app with some services and a bunch of different ways to interact with. Um, and so WWDC, Apple talks about this, um, you know, with the iPhone 5S and the iPad Air with the M7, the motion code processor, people can take advantage of step counting and things with the hardware. Now our friend underscore has a great app that does that. Um, but there's a lot more coming and Federico, you know, you've been spending some time with this and talking to some developers about it. Kind of what, what is coming to iOS later this year? So, uh, yes. Um, what's coming for consumers is a, a new, uh, pre-installed app on the iPhone, which is called the health application. And for developers, there's the, this new um, health kit uh, APIs and set of uh, you know software features to to interact with the with the health application and f- read and write data to the app. So essentially, developers of uh, food or fitness related related apps they can take advantage of these new health kit APIs to provide their own data to the app, as well as read data uh, stored in the health application and try to do something with it. So I'm trying to think of a practical examples. Um, for instance, if you, if you develop a, a sleep tracking app, such as the one that I've been using, which is called Pillow for, for the iPhone, if you develop a, a, an app to monitor your sleep, at night and you know uh, visualize sleep panner- patterns you could for instance uh, offer to the health app uh, the amount of hours that the user gets so when i open my health dashboard i get the the hours recorded by the third party app that i use but also that that same third party app it could uh, it could ask uh, the health application to Receive data for the user um, for the user's step count, or for the user uh, for the user's calorie intake. So it's basically a way for developers to communicate with all uh, with a single dashboard, with a unified application where they can read and write data, um, and to do something meaningful, meaningful, meaningfully, uh, meaningful with it in a way that doesn't require developers to. Uh, implement third-party APIs or integrations, which can be, you know, problematic. Uh, so, in theory, 
at least based on the conversations conversations that I had and the the apps that I saw, there's going to be an interesting new approach to making fitness and and uh, food related apps. Because right now, if you go to the app store. And if you read the reviews of a popular fitness app, you're going to see comments about people asking for a third-party integration. For instance, oh, this app doesn't support RunKeeper, or it doesn't support MyFitnessPal, or I want to have Jawbone integration. In theory, with the Health app and with HealthKit for developers, there's going to be this unified place for developers to, to, you know, to feed and read data, which in theory is great. And so I've been talking to developers, and... Most of them say that HealthKit has been, has been a game changer uh, in the way that it lets them, you know, not care basically about integrating with the third-party uh, API, with a third-party web service. Uh, they don't have to care about, you know, handling pr- uh, privacy policies for different services, such as the privacy policy from Jobon or from MyFitnessPal. They just need to integrate with a, with a system API. And which is another, which has another set of built-in permissions, but that's another topic. Um, so most of them say say that it's that it's been a game changer. That uh, the, expliti- the ability to export data and to to make it useful to other apps will be will be a, a great improvement for this category on the app store. Just as big as I don't know extensions are for productivity apps, uh, HealthKit and the Health app and the dashboard. There are going to be a major change for this category. And some developers that I talked to said that uh, getting uh, the HealthKit stuff up and running was a no-brainer. Others said that, that, that it's, a, it's a bit of work because you got to handle, com- handle conversions between different um, unit types, such as, uh, I don't know, liters and, and, and what is it, ounces for, for liquid or, you know, other types of measurements. So I have no doubt about the fact that it's going to be you know, it requires developers to, to do some work, especially because Apple has been uh, adding new features to the API during the iOS 8 beta. So, of course, it's not completely done, and we don't know whether there will be another beta or a GM. It looks like a GM at this point. And, but it's going to be a major change for the, for the food and fitness category on the App Store, but also not necessarily just for that category, you know, because, I mean, now that you have a single place right on the system that tracks all this data from different sources, in theory, if you make any sort of app, you could uh, take advantage of that information about the user and make it useful and give it some sort of meaning in your app that isn't, I don't know, a fitness tracker. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the... Uh, what's the name of the podcast client by underscore? Pod, Pod Wrangler? Pod Wrangler. It has a feature that uh, makes the uh, the playback controls bigger if the app detects that you're moving, right? Uh, I think yes. it has a yeah, it has it a does, car yeah. mode, an automatic exactly. car mode. Yes, so, that yeah. that mode that mode comes from the M7 from the motion core processor on the on the on the iPhone. So you you see, David Smith with with the podcast app doesn't have a fitness client of sorts. It's it's a it's an audio app. But it takes advantage of contextual information and, and movement in a different way. So you can imagine how having HealthKit on, on, the, on the device, on, on the system, could enable some interesting new ideas. 
So I'm I'm very excited to, to to see what developers come up come up with. And of course, I guess the first and most obvious change will be for apps like Jabon or My Fitness Pal, hopefully. So we'll see. Yeah, I I would can see you know I mean just in talking to you about your setup and what I'm doing like it's sort of like you have to string these things together in the right order. So for me, like Strava and Lose It don't talk directly to each other. So I kind of like Strava tells me you know, how far I rode in the time and I'm going and manually entering that and lose it. And that's something that I would hope that this health kit plumbing can help ease, but it's only going to be as good as third-party developers make it. You know, they've people have to get in there and decide is what we're going to do. So say, for example, and I don't know if they have said anything, so I'm not, I'm not commenting on news, but say that job and we're like, you know what, we're going to do our own thing. We're not going to share this data with the health app and like that sort of puts a kink in my plan to just use, you know, the first party app to, to be my dashboard for all this. So I, I hope that everybody plays and gets along. And I think it's best for everybody if they do that, but kind of the back of my mind is that voice of like, there's going to be somebody popular to hold out, you know, and they're not going to want to do it because they're, you know, it's not like, newsstand or uh or even passbook where you can get away with not using those like wired can still have just a regular app now they're in newsstand because they made that decision but you can exist outside of that and that's the same thing here it's it's a very similar situation where a lot of third-party developers are running around doing a bunch of crazy stuff and now apple is saying hey we sort of have a hub for all this it'd be great if you tied into it but you don't have to and I hope that it is a utopia of fitness and, and tracking and, and measuring, but I, I worry there's going to be pain points along the way. No, that's, that's, that's actually a great point, especially because uh, fitness apps are not like feed readers, right, or Twitter clients. I mean, can you, you can imagine that if your favorite email application or feed, uh, feed, uh, feed reader, uh, RSS reader, doesn't support extensions or another productivity-related feature, you could easily jump to another app and switch and start using the app that takes advantage of the latest features. But with a fitness app like MyFitnessPal or the Jabon app, you have the sort of locking of your personal, personal data that you don't want to lose. And typically, typically the exporting options are not great in these apps. So you're kind of forced to stay within their ecosystem. So if, if, if they don't want to uh, support the new API, I think it will be harder for most people to just, you know, say, I'm going to switch to another app because all your data and months of months of tracking food and barcodes like me, they're going to be stuck into the app. And even if you can export it as a CSV, that's not going to be great. And honestly, who, who wants to use CSV? So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Totally. Um, and, you know, it's all this could be out the door in a couple of weeks if Apple does hardware. Um, but that's what's, you know, interesting about all this. So there's a lot of good software. There's a lot of mediocre hardware, you know, sitting here, I was thinking, you know, maybe I should buy a Jawbone up and I'm, I'm going to wait and see if Apple is doing something, but it, it's, um, it's a, it's an interesting time. And, and because the phone is always with you, or at least with you most of the time, it can give you a really good picture. You know, that's why I really like things like, underscores pedometer plus plus i don't have an iphone 5s so i can't take advantage of it but like 
of course your iPhone knows how far you walk because your phone is always in your pocket. And as these devices get smarter and more powerful, that sort of data is only be going to become better and better and more clear to give us a picture of the, you know, the quantified self of, you know, I can put a number on how I did today. And, and if you can do that and build a history and build patterns, then you can work to be in better shape or to be able to run a 5k without dying or whatever those goals are. Technology can get us there. And that's sort of the point of the technology in the first place. So I'm, I think it's really exciting. So I think we come to about the end of this week's episode of Connected. Um, thank you very much for listening. Stephen, where can people find the show notes? Relay.fm slash connected slash two. Fantastic. Uh, we have a couple of Twitter accounts for you. We are underscore connected FM and underscore relay FM for the show and the, and the podcast network. Um, I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and Stephen is at I-S-M-H. Federico writes at MacStories.net, and Stephen writes at 512pixels.net. I podcast in many various forms at Relay.fm. I want to thank again our sponsors for this week's episode. So that's Blogo, Omni, and Igloo. Don't forget that we do uh, broadcast this show live. We have a chat room as well, which you can join. Go to relay.fm slash live. You'll also find a link to the schedule there as well if you would like to come along. So, gentlemen, do you have anything to add before I sign off for this week? Uh, I really want an iWatch. Okay. Well, well, I'll work on that for you. Stephen, um, I really want to argue about Federico with Federico about the iWatch in the future. Excellent stuff. <laughs> I have no doubt that we'll do that. Thank you all for listening to episode two of Connected. We'll be back next week. Until then, bye bye. Arrivederci. Adios.